Disgruntled Disney Dweeb Podcast number four. Another crappy podcast production. Hi, my name's Alan, and I love Disney. Something plus nothing. Change is good. Can you imagine how boring TV would be if the same series of shows ran year after year with the same characters and the same typical plots? I mean, even a top-rated show will eventually see a decline in ratings as people grow bored with it. Been there, watch that. As ratings start to slip, some network executive may decide that the show needs to change things up a bit to reclaim viewers. Maybe they add a new character, like some previously unmentioned child cousin, to stir up the household. Perhaps they try something more drastic, like moving the entire sitcom family to a new location in a new house with new neighbors. Sometimes this works, at least temporarily, but there are still countless examples of once popular shows fading away in spite of the best efforts to save them. As good as change may be sometimes, it doesn't always prevent the inevitable. We just get bored. A few rare network executives seem to realize this, and they allow hit shows to go off while still on top. But more often than not, the show goes down in flames as best efforts to save it after the boredom is set in are unsuccessful. Now, even worse is when a show that's already doing well gets changed, with the hopes that it might do even better. There are countless examples of this, too, probably driven by greed, since the more viewers a show has, the more advertising dollars it can generate. I mean, does anyone really think they made these changes because they wanted fewer people to watch? All right, so maybe change isn't always good. Maybe it's the motivation behind change that's really important. Now, I remember seeing a comic strip once that showed a sign that read, If it ain't broke, don't fix it. A cartoon character went up to the sign and corrected it to read, If it isn't broke, don't fix it. Then the sign fell to the ground, supposedly from the character messing with it. Okay, the important part is that in this example, the motivation behind that change was simply to make things better. And if all change was done with that kind of motivation, maybe change still wouldn't end up always being good, but at least it would be well-intentioned. I mean, there's always going to be purists out there who don't want change, but I'd bet most of them would be willing to trade in their classic retro color televisions for the latest and greatest plasma screen HD TVs. On the other hand, there's plenty of people out there who prefer the classic look of a black-and-white film over the latest digital 3D production. I'm sure we can all agree that advancing movie technology didn't instantly make all movies better. It's just now we can have really crappy movies in digital 3D. But I digress. So what about change that clearly doesn't seem to be an improvement? Surely someone must think it offers some kind of benefit. I mean, either by improving a show or a product and thereby increasing demand, or, or by lowering costs. So even if less people like the product, or buy it, or whatever, the end result would be the financial improvement gained through cost savings. Sounds like I'm repeating myself. Well, there's got to be some kind of motivation behind changes. Done there? Hi, Alan. Here's one of your nice little crabby listeners here, and I have a little problem that I would like to say about Disney. I really don't like it when they decide to plus things for no reason whatsoever. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about, let's look at the post department for a moment, if we may. You see, the post office, way back when uh, the fax machine was first coming out, they started noticing a decline in their sales of stamps. 
Well, when the decline of stamps happened, they were all thinking, hmm, why is it exactly that we are not selling as many stamps as we were before? The decision was made, I know, it's because our logos are not the same. We need to get hip with the times. So then they spent over $100 million replacing all their logos and then passing it on to the consumer so they could raise the prices on stamps. Clearly, that was the reason. Though I digress, as you have as well. But I wanted to state on here that uh, Disney seems to be doing the same thing. Sometime around the millennium, they decided that uh, their park needed an uplift. So what did they do? But they started messing with around with their weenies. Of course, you know what the weenies are, being in the parks themselves. But you have the giant ball in Epcot, and you have the Chinese Man Theater over in the Disney MGM Studios. So I guess they were trying to figure out our parks had been this way for over, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years. Maybe we need to find some way of spicing them up. So what did they do? They put a giant arm on the side of the golf ball and at the same time covered over the uh, wonderful view that you had of the Chinese Man Theater and put in a giant hat. Clearly this is the best way that you can uh, bring in hundreds of more people into your park just so they can stare at those two items. Because I don't know about you, but that really made me want to go back to Disney. I think you can hear the sarcasm of the tone, but I just thought I'd just bring that up. That sometimes when you want to go and actually have something that you want to do, make it actually make sense. Because somehow I don't think you're going to bring in thousands of people just so they can stare at another piece that you just put in that doesn't actually do anything other than just plus up the area. Thanks for my rant, and uh, I'll talk to you sometime on the future. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Well, first, thanks for calling, but you really shouldn't get me started on this subject. i thought about it. I really have, but I can't, for the life of me, figure out the motivation behind these kinds of changes. Looking back, it didn't just start with the Epcot wand or the Disney MGM Studios Sorcerer's Hat. You may remember that, for the 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World, they decided to change Cinderella Castle at the Magic Kingdom to a giant pink cake. Now, I thought this was really neat. I mean, sure, it was Pepto-Bismol and an eyesore and, and monstrous, and, but, but where else would but Disney would you ever see such a huge mountain of confection? The only problem is it changed a major icon for the park. In fact, it changed a major icon for the entire company, which uses a castle silhouette as a logo. And this logo goes all the way back to Walt Disney's Disneyland television program, which opened with Tinkerbell flying over a castle and not a pink cake. So as neat as this looked, many people were disappointed that during their potentially once-in-a-lifetime visit to Walt Disney World, they wouldn't get to see this world-famous castle. I remember reading stories about wedding couples postponing, relocating, or even canceling wedding plans because they didn't want a giant pink cake as their backdrop picture. This in itself doesn't mean that having a giant pink cake was a mistake, but it does mean there were people who would have preferred the cake to have been somewhere else. Now, I'd still be willing to bet there were more pictures taken of that cake during the celebration than there would have been of the normal castle because it was different and temporary. Perhaps a better thing to have done might have been to just dress up the original castle much like the parks have done lately, 
to celebrate uh, Disneyland's 50th. You know, some gold trim, some things like that, but leave it as a castle. But I guess you can't have your castle cake and eat it too. Well, a short time later, the castle returned to its former castle glory anyway. And that's what we thought was going to happen at Epcot. When I was there in 1999 and saw the large hand of Mickey erected over Spaceship Earth waving a wand that said 2000, I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't think it fit in with Future World, but hey, it was the Millennium, and I knew that every photo I took that showed that wand would be an instant connection with the Millennium celebrations at Walt Disney World. Something truly special in honor of, for most of us, a once-in-a-lifetime event. But after the celebration closed down, Disney did something odd. They replaced the letters that said 2000 with letters that said Epcot, as if the giant golf ball wasn't instantly recognized as part of Epcot. But I think this one might have a pretty simple explanation. Disney probably found it cheaper just to change the letters than to take down the giant Mickey arm. And perhaps some of us who'd already bought Spaceship Earth postcards in the past might buy new ones if it had a picture of the current Spaceship Earth with the arm. So they could save a few bucks and maybe make a few bucks just by leaving the thing alone. Of course, if it turns out it costs them more to leave that thing up than to take it down, we'd have to assume Disney truly believes it makes the Epcot experience better just for the sake of being better. But I'm not buying that. A different and possibly better explanation has to do with how companies write off investments. For instance, a company I worked for used to own its own three-story building and warehouse facility here in Des Moines. We built it to our specifications, but eventually sold it to someone else, then rented it back from them. Apparently on paper it made more sense to let someone else deal with it. I've read similar things about corporate investments where something has to remain for a certain amount of time to avoid financial penalties. Heck, we're still paying a lease on some ancient laptops from five years ago because we can't get rid of them without some kind of write-off. I don't know. Well, this may explain why a lot of temporary things get built and remain far past where we disgruntled Disney dweebs think is appropriate. Does anyone out there truly know how companies like Disney work with these types of investments? If so, give me a call at 206-3090-227 and clue us all in. I mean, there's got to be some logical explanation, right? And about that sorcerer's hat, if the Disney MGM Studios had opened up with that hat in the place of the Chinese theater, we'd probably have thought it was a neat theme from day one. Wow, Mickey's sorcerer's apprentice hat at the entrance of this great movie ride. There's uh, no way to mistake a photo of that street without thinking Disney. But they didn't, and choosing a world-known icon for Hollywood for a Hollywood-inspired uh, theme park made sense. Yet, here they are, years later, covering up a perfectly good icon with something that works, but doesn't seem nearly as good as the original. At least, at least there are two of us that think that it's a step back. So, let's discuss the conspiracy theories here. Building the hat cost money, so it was either to improve the show for the sake of improving the show, which pretty much no company does these days, or it was done for financial gain. Maybe it would sell some extra merchandise during the event, like all those Sorcerer Apprentice hats I always see people wearing at the parks. But could it sell enough to pay for that giant thing? Probably not. Maybe the thought was that now all the tourist photos would show images that were clearly Disney, rather than images of man's Chinese theater, which makes people think Hollywood, not Disney World. Maybe it's a licensing deal, and they use the theater, uh, they required paying. But since the theater's, theater's still there, I mean, it's probably still having to be paid for if that's the case. I don't know, neither one of those makes much sense to me. So, having a Disney MGM Studios look more like Disney with a Mickey hat than a Hollywood icon sort of makes sense. Uh, but having a Mickey arm at Epcot only made the place look more like Disney if you didn't already know that the golf ball was part of Walt Disney World. 
Maybe that was it. Maybe some survey found out that people identified that geosphere with Universal Studios by mistake or something. I mean, their logo is a big globe. Perhaps some people saw photos of Disney MGM Studios and immediately thought, ooh, Universal Studios Hollywood. Hey, stranger things have happened. But I do know two things. Number one, Disney is full of mysteries. Number two, Disney is full of accountants. And number three, there's nothing more mysterious than a Disney accountant. However, if you happen to be a Disney accountant, and you happen to disagree with me, pick up the phone and call 206-3090-227 and rant away. I'll try to use your comments or defense in an upcoming episode. Your thoughts? Drop by anothercrappypodcast.com and let me know what you think. Audio feedback is especially appreciated. Until next time, this is Alan, and this is the Disgruntled Disney Dweeb Podcast. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you think. Call 206-3090-227. That's 206-3090-227. Another crappy podcast production.